Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so glad that you are joining us. And today we are going to talk about the prevention of the, oh no, I have an emergency. <laughs> well, and in this case, it's specifically for those of you who have school age programs or a vehicle for field trips for your preschool um, kids, because at some point you're going to need another vehicle. Maybe you're gonna grow your program and so you need another vehicle because you got more kids or maybe you need one because you have a situation like, I don't know, I may have had where your car just, you take it to the shop to get a checkup and they're like, yeah, you can't have this one back. It doesn't work anymore. And I'm like, it was working when I brought it to you. And they're like, no, it wasn't really. And I'm like, no, I drove it here. I know it was working. They're like, no, you can't have it. So whether it's because the car breaks down or sorry, vehicle, because we're probably talking about a bus, right? If your vehicle breaks down or if it's because you're growing your program, eventually you're going to need another vehicle. Okay. So I don't want that to be an emergency. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about this from a goal setting standpoint. So right now, you know, we are in 2022 and used cars are expensive. New cars are expensive. Gas is expensive. Like anything that has to do with a vehicle right now is probably above and beyond your budget. And we are using um, this vehicle as the major purchase savings account. And I know that in the past, you've probably heard us talk about budgets and why you need to have, you know, X month in reserve for, you know, operating your business. And I know we've talked about the emergency fund. Right. And I think we've talked about the sinking fund, but we may not have explained what it's for well. So this is what the sinking fund is for. It is, and that's an accounting term. So don't freak out. Like I'm teaching you business terms, woo, scary. But the sinking fund is a fund that is designed for an expected expense. A lot of people don't have to budget for a new roof because they rent their space. But if you have school-aged children, you do have an expected expense because at some point you're gonna need a new vehicle. Absolutely. Vehicle? Vehicle? I'm having some trouble with my tongue today. Vehicle. (laughs) All right. So how do we start, Carrie? I mean, I, I, you know, I I look at this and there's five digits and they're not small digits, right? So when we start talking about- Right. It's $342.12, right? Right. Uh Uh (laughs) $342.12. One more zero. (laughs) Somebody screwed up on that decimal point. Right. So you're looking at probably new over 30,000 used is probably still at least 15 or 20 um, for one of those 12 passenger vans. Um, And that's not anything fancy. Like there's no backup camera. (laughs) There's no there. There might be AC depending on where you live, um, but definitely um, probably nothing more. So right. But if you're getting instead the mini bus, because that's what's required in your state, because now in Texas, that's true. They can't sell you a minivan if they know this is the purpose. You can buy a minivan, but they can't sell it to you, which is kind of fun. 
Um, so they have to sell you a bus if they know why you're rent, why you're buying it. Um, so that's a fun thing in Texas, but I'm sure Texas is not the only place um, where they're trying to get um, child care centers to be more into buses. Um, and some of those buses are over a hundred thousand. Yeah. Because, you know, they seat 45 kids and they have air conditioning and they have car seats and seat belts incorporated and yada, yada, yada. Um, so you can't get a used minibus that doesn't have seat belts. The minibus has to have seat belts. So that cuts out about half of the used minibuses um, because that was a thing that happened. I don't know. The first digit of the year started with a 20. So at some point <laughs> in this century, they required that all minibuses for kids have seat belts. But before that, I don't, I never, no bus I rode on as a kid had a seat belt. Some of them had metal hanging out the back of them. That was fun. So it, whether we're looking at $15,000 or we're looking at 110, we have to have saved the money for that or else you're going to have to take out a loan. And then your $15,000 vehicle is actually a $22,000 vehicle because of the interest. So I don't want you to spend $22,000 on something that's $15,000. So in order to avoid having to take out a loan to buy that vehicle, we need to have a sinking fund. All right. So what would be a great place to start? Um, and again, we are talking about looking at this elephant and trying to make it into bite size, reasonable pieces, because I would suspect that most of the people who are listening to the podcast today probably don't have 20,000 in an account right now that they can go write a check out of. So they got to start somewhere. Um, so, you know, if you don't have it, if you've never done that personally, it may be really hard for you to fathom how to do that from a business standpoint. So what might be, um, and I know that um, you and your children and your family have all talked about investing and saving. So you might even have some ideas of, of books or podcasts or something that might be a great place for us to start or for our clients to start. Where would you start somebody who is, who knows they probably maybe only have a couple of years left on their van? I mean, from a, from a mental standpoint, rich dad, poor dad, um, from a practicality standpoint, the two easiest ways to get started on setting up your sinking fund is to have a percentage of your revenue go into it or your revenue after payroll <laughs> um, go into it. Or what I like to do is be like, okay, so the 23rd child in the preschool classroom, the 23rd child's tuition goes into that fund. Because it 22 kids covers the, the, the expenses of that classroom and gets me what I need as far as retained earnings. The 23rd kid and the 24th kid are gonna go into the van, into the van account, into the bus account. And then kids 25 and 26, I don't know, maybe that's, you know, the, I'm going to take my staff on a vacation <laughs> account. I don't know what you would do with any kids over the 24, but if you go, okay, this is what I normally keep enrolled in this class. I normally keep 12 toddlers in my young toddler class. So anytime that I have 13 kids paying tuition in that class, then that 13th 
tuition goes into a different account so that we don't just spend it because we didn't have more costs other than giving them an extra, you know, fistful of bananas at snack time, right? We don't have a huge amount of added expenses when you're just adding one more child to a classroom. So their expenses or their revenue can go into that special account. I built a whole playground that way. I just told my step, they were like, we want a new playground. And I was like, okay, this is just for your class, right? And they were like, yeah, we want a playground just for our class. I was like, okay, your class normally has X number of kids. If you will take Y number of kids, we can put all of that extra money into a sinking fund to build you a new playground. And they were like, how long would that take? And I was like, it depends on how, whether we have one extra kid or two or three. <laughs> like, I don't know. If we had three next week, it would take X number of months. If we had one, it would take Y number of months. And they were like, okay, I will do that. I will take extra kids in my class so that I can get the new playground. Not every class is going to be okay with that, but that particular one was like, yes. <laughs> And that is a great example of getting your staff's buy-in and how they can participate in being your raving fans. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that episode, right? So um, we are getting the staff involved. The staff have a true buy-in. They see the advantage of being- The new bus with better air conditioning. Yeah, that you don't have to worry about whether or not it's going to make you to your field trip, right? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of components that go into that. And think about as an owner or director, how much better you're going to feel knowing that the kids are in a safer vehicle, that, you know, there is something that... <laughs> so the other thing I want to think about as far as a way to get that, I mean, that's a great way to fund it. Some people also need to seed that account. And one of the things that I find works really, really well in seeding an account is to come up with some sort of fundraiser. We are at the time of the year where you cannot go down the street without seeing somebody having a garage sale. Now, child care centers usually have lots of families. And I am not a fan of throwing garage sales myself. However, I do love the concept of basically renting out the equivalent of a car parking spot. And so you have a parking lot and families can rent a parking spot to host their own little mini garage sale. And really what you're making is the 10 or $20 per parking spot. Um, plus, if you do have uh, an excess of equipment, that, you know, because you bought out a center that was going under and real or was, you know, closing their doors and really what you wanted were the tables, but you ended up with the tables and the chairs and, you know, three extra cozy coops. <laughs> yeah. You end up with a lot of extra stuff. So, um, you know, infant, child, toddler toys, you know, these are always things that bring people in to garage sales and depending on the size of the space you have, all of a sudden you might have a couple thousand dollars to seed that account. Um, the other way to do the garage sale is if you have staff or if you're a person who loves to host garage sales, you can offer that people can bring their garage sale stuff 
to the center and you or the staff member who loves to host garage sales will man the garage sale. They'll get paid for their time or you'll get paid for your time. And then everything else goes to the center and, and you have your neighborhood charity come by and pick it up Monday morning. And that is just occupying one of the parking spaces until the van gets there on Monday morning. And then if parents want to pick something up Monday morning at pick up and drop off, you have somebody sitting there until the van gets there. And if parents want to buy stuff that they couldn't bother to come to the garage sale, they can go ahead and do that. And I find that that I, from what I've heard from programs that have done this, this works really well. If you also set some stuff, like you can't put everything out on Friday night because then all the good stuff is gone and nobody wants to come to your garage sale. But having a portion of your garage sale items available for early bird <laughs> garage selling by your clients mm -hmm. on Friday night at pickup, you can make 300 bucks at pickup by people picking over the stuff that you have already staged and priced. <laughs> so it's basically the stuff that people brought in early. <laughs> and so it's ready to go. That works out pretty well too. You can just make a couple hundred bucks Friday night. And then whatever you do on Saturday and Sunday is gravy. And that again, even if it's $300, putting $300 is on some vehicles, all you have to put as a down payment on that vehicle and you, you know, and you're like, okay, make it for me. <laughs> this is what I want. And you gave them $300. And now you have a year while they're making your van, bus, whatever, to come up with the rest of the down payment or the rest of the total cost, depending on which one you're able to do. I want you at least to have the down payment. <laughs> if you can have the whole cost, that would be my preference. <laughs> Yeah, but and again, some people, the idea of having $60,000 in a bank account freaks them out. And they're like, I can't do that. No. Okay, fine. So have the down payment. But if you give them $60,000, you'll only give them $60,000. Where if you give them 10 and you finance 50, you're giving them way more than 50. Yeah. So the, the other thing to think about that, especially because, again, every year is a little different. And you can have years where literally you can get cars for less than 1%. And so keep that in mind that even if you don't have perfect credit, you know, if you're putting 50 or 60% down, you can get really, really good credit um, and interest rate on that vehicle, even as a commercial loan. The other thing to do, Carrie, is since we're talking a little bit about um, that planning and the goal setting, um, what might be some things that people might want to think about um, prepping for even just a major loan? Looking at your credit history, you can get an account on creditwise.com, I think it is. I'm not sure if it's .com or .org for free. Um, you can check your credit once a year. If you have been in business for more than five years and you have had any business credit, you can in you can also check your Dun and Bradstreet credit. If you've never had business credit, there will be nothing in Dun and Bradstreet, so that will be a wasted call, and you will get very frustrated. 
been there, done that, did not like that t-shirt. Um, I thought I had business credit. And even more importantly, shop the loan, talk to your bank, your personal bank, your school's bank, any other banks that or credit unions that you may be part of. You may be like, yeah, I bank with BOA, but all of my husband's VA uh, benefits come into to the Navy credit union. Okay, well then you bank at the Navy credit union also. You live in Texas, it's community property state. Um, so by talking to two or three banks before you go in to buy, uh, to place the purchase order for your bus or van, you know what you can get without the, the vehicle manufacturer, lender, whatever, without Ford or, you know, whatever company it is. And then you, when they say, oh, we've got a really great financing deal, we can finance this for you for five years for 6%, you go, oh, that's very nice. But over at Navy Credit, I can get it for 3.2. And all of a sudden they're like, or, oh, we didn't know that you had a veteran in the family, even though that has nothing to do with it. But they say that, oh, we didn't know we can get it for you at 3% because you know that you could get it at 3.5 somewhere else. Now they have to give you a better deal. And if they can't give you a better deal, then you could get it Navy credit. Then use Navy credit to buy it if you have to finance part of it. Okay, so shop the loan before you go in to purchase the, the vehicle. Yeah, and you brought up a great point, Carrie, that I just want to make sure that we, we circle back to, which is pulling your own credit and looking at it and knowing what it says. Um, again, talk to your banker uh, about uh, maybe some things that are on there that you need to figure out, you know, do you have things in there that you got to pay? Yeah. And again, this is a great advantage of if you're planning to make the purchase 12 months out, that gives you a year to get all that stuff cleaned up. Um, a lot of us, again, as a community property state, sometimes there are things that we did not know um, appear on our credit. And so um, also, if you've always done things with your husband, you may make an assumption that because you have a credit card in your name, that you actually have a credit card in your name. You may not, you may just be a signer on his credit card. So again, you may think that you've got really, really good credit and you might as a couple, but if it's just you and the business, there may be something different. So yeah. Uh, and with her saying him, that's just because she has a him. Yes. It could also be a her. <laughs> spouse. Yes. There we go. Spouse. I'm getting better. <laughs> I know. I just, you know, we do have directors and owners who are men and who are not married to other men. <laughs> um, and we have women who are not married to anybody. Um, so we've got, you know, all kinds of permutations, right? So when you're pulling your credit, if you don't know what it means, go talk to the loan officer at your bank and get them to explain it to you. I will tell you, you can also find it on Google, but it is better for you in the long run to create a relationship with the lender at your bank. And the smaller the bank or the smaller the branch, the better. So even if you're at Bank of America, you know, one of the largest banks on the planet, 
if there's only six people who work at your branch, <laughs> you can still create a relationship with the lender in that building and it will be better for you and they will be more likely to fight for you to get your loan. Absolutely. Than if you're going into a branch with 72 staff on a Tuesday. <laughs> Don't go into the biggest branch office. Go to the smallest branch office. I know that that seems weird, but trust me, it has saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of my life. <laughs> All right. So everybody, thank you so much for listening to us. At hello at colorfulclipboard.com. If you want to send us, you know, a message, if you need help finding some of these resources and, you know, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.